The Cohesit Inn, 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, what a verdict in the Dolan trial. I attended the trial. I covered the trial. I, I am surprised. I was as surprised as anyone. Officer Dolan, off-duty Pawtucket police officer, shot and wounded, that young man, he went after the three teens. Now, it's very tough to know what went through the minds of the jury. couple things about this. Number one, as I have stated, defense attorney Michael Colucci, very impressive job in the courtroom. That was number one. Number two, Officer Dolan, Pawtucket police officer who suspended Daniel Dolan, did take the stand in his own defense. To his credit, former member, he was in the military, he was polite on the stand. He was calm on the stand. He did not lose his temper or become unglued on the stand. That certainly helped him. He was very much yes, sir, no, sir, when being asked questions. So the jury saw that. Now, about the three teens. Number one, they were driving over 100 miles an hour on 95 South in a Audi. And... They were 16 and 17 years old at the time. Might hit some people the wrong way, number one. Number two, if, if we want to, like, what could into the jury's mind? He did show his badge when he got out. He had no jurisdiction where he was, meaning Officer Dolan. Did show his badge, though. Now, he claimed he wanted to talk to them, tell them to slow down and prevent them from hitting someone else. Maybe, maybe the jury bought that. Another factor... Once he shot, they only went a little bit farther down the road. If you know Newstick Hill Road, West Greenwich and the Coventry, there's a liquor store there. They pulled over by that. Now, once they were there, because the driver is shot in the arm, Dolan went over and rendered aid and called 911. Now, why is that important? As his attorney, Michael Colucci, pointed out, they didn't floor it like let's like we're being chased, right? Like in a horror film. Like, let's get out of here. Here he comes. Help, help. You know, nothing like that. Dolan applied a tourniquet to young Dominic, who he had just shot. They didn't run. Therefore, possibly opens the door that they, they did know he was a police officer. He showed the badge. They knew he was a police officer. They believed they were in trouble because they were speeding on 95. As a result of that, that's why they got out of there. One of the brothers that was on the stand, I was there. He was on the stand. He testified that Dominic 
continued forward leaving the pizza place to get the guy to get the guy off at the car so they are saying that they started moving forward to kind of get him out of there now it is very easy to come to the position that dolan driving an unregistered vehicle by the way he was also speeding going almost almost 80 miles an hour i think he was clocked at like 77 almost 80 miles an hour had an open six-pack next to him and the truck was not registered he sees this car going flying by him he claims in the breakdown lane he goes after them he pulls in and not only do they not stop they back up and start again eluding him and as they're then driving the car maybe towards him because he was standing in front of them uh, it's very possible and in the conventional wisdom at the at the courthouse was that he snapped and then that's when he shot now was he within his right as an off-duty Pawtucket police officer to fire his weapon at them absolutely not what was he doing i thought the attorney general did a very good job now a couple things maybe they were a little confident with the case maybe it's a reflection of the times that people as as our legal expert attorney tim dodd has said that maybe they didn't want to um maybe they wanted to kind of stand up for a police officer who seemed to be earnest who seemed to be trying to do the right thing maybe that had to play with it now i want you to hear by the way there's also how about this one hasbro is going to cut 1,000 jobs this year i'm going to get to that in a moment gee maybe maybe governor mckee can put all them on the state payroll i mean the the lack of gravitating towards anything to do with the private sector is frightening to say the least all right i want to play this is the channel 12 story first on the officer dolan case all right now that's not the i just watched i just watched the story i don't know what happened with that would the wrong one come up on the website all right let me pull the other one i just watched it sorry about that then we'll go to channel 10 now dominic's parents i saw them at the courthouse i don't blame them for being upset a lot of people are upset it does seem it just seemed um it is frightening it is frightening uh that he he as as some members of law enforcement had said to me if he was a criminal with a weapon in the car he he could have maybe gotten in trouble for shooting you know if he had a knife maybe if he had a criminal had just like robbed a store it is pretty i mean here you have an unarmed team he's not even a police officer there but what did the jury see i think the jury bought his version of events that he was doing this to try to protect the teens i mean and therefore that it, like somehow he was within his right all right let me play here we go here's the channel 12 story you on just it. heard the jury four person announcing Pawtucket police officer daniel dolan was found not 
guilty of an assault on the then teen driver Dominic Vincent back in 2021 when Dolan was off duty. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kim Kalunian. And I'm Kayla Fish. The jury acquitted Dolan on all four charges he was facing, three of which were felonies. 12 News reporter Alexandra Leslie has been monitoring the trial for days. She was inside the courtroom when the verdict was read. Alex joins us now live from outside of court with reaction from families of both the victim and the defendant. What are they saying today, Alex? Well, Kim, I want to just start with just moments ago, you heard those cries in the courtroom as the verdict was read, finding out that Daniel Dolan was found not guilty for assaulting Dominic Vincent. Those were cries of joy from Dolan's family. Meantime, the Vincent family left the courtroom very angry. Emotions were raw, both inside not guilty and outside of Kent County Courthouse Thursday. They let him get away. They know people. They know people. A jury found Officer Daniel Dolan not guilty of three counts of felony assault for shooting at a car three teenagers were inside back in June 2021. Dolan claimed he feared he'd be run over by the black Audi. The driver of that Audi, Dominic Vincent, was hit in the arm but survived. The now 20-year-old was not in the courtroom Thursday, but his family was. What are you going to tell your son? That I'm sorry that it happened to him. And we're here to support him as much as we can. After an alternate juror had to be brought in due to a juror testing positive for COVID, deliberations had to start over, and their jury came back with a verdict in just a few hours. Dolan offered little words to reporters. Relief is one, one emotion, yes. Dolan's defense attorney said it's been a long year and a half and maintains his client was not in the wrong. He always tried to do what he felt was right, as he's been doing for 16 years, first as a soldier, now as a policeman. Now, both Dolan and his lawyer would not say if Dolan would attempt to get a job as a police officer again, or if he did, if that would be in Pawtucket. For now, reporting live in Warwick, Alexandra Leslie, 12 News. Now, here's the thing. I don't see how he doesn't get his job back. I mean, he was just found not guilty. He was just found not guilty. I don't know. And he's been suspended without pay. I, I don't know how he doesn't get his job back. You know, it's interesting. Look at this. Two big cases where you had a police officer on trial one was the lugo trial right that he um, slapped jennifer rourke there was a not guilty granted that was a bench trial this was a jury trial two very good attorneys here criminal defense attorneys all right i want to hear just the channel 10 story somewhat similar but sometimes there's always a little soundbite might be a little different i feel bad for the family because obviously they feel like what happened here? Daniel right, Dolan here we go. sat frozen in Kent County Superior Court as the jury read the verdict. Dolan faced three counts of assault and one count of discharging a firearm while committing an act of violence after shooting teen driver Dominic Vincent for speeding down I-95 on June 23rd, 2021. Not guilty. <laughs> Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> As Dolan embraced his family, Vincent's family angrily dashed out of the courtroom. A justice system's that's all there is. That's all I can say. If you could say something to Dolan right now, what would you say? Nothing. Dolan has been suspended without pay from the police department since the incident. Do you think that Dolan should be allowed back on Pawtucket Police? Absolutely not. It's going to kill somebody. It's only been a matter of time. This isn't the only incident that he has. So, what's going through your mind thinking that he could get his firearm back? Oh boy. 
Nothing good. Again, it'd be just wrong. No justice there. Dolan and his attorney exited the courthouse looking exhausted and relieved. You must be feeling relieved. How are you feeling right now in this moment? Relief is one, one emotion, yes. When I asked him what's next for him, he says he hasn't gotten that far yet. If you could say something to the young men who were in the car, what would you say to them? Uh, I think that's between myself and the young men. You know, uh, I want to again point out that Michael Colucci, the defense attorney, I mean, the guy did, that was a tough case. But you never know. What does Tim Dodd say? It's very difficult to predict juries. And I was in the courtroom, and I I thought they made the case. Apparently not. That I, I believe, if you're wondering about the off-duty Pawtucket police officer, it's possible the jury would really zone in on him. The kids were driving fast. He showed his badge. He did get up on the stand. All right, now this this is, how about Hasbro? 1,000 jobs in Rhode Island? 12 News Now on WPRI.com. Oh. I'm Ted Nisi. Well, negative news tonight out of one of Rhode Island's Ooh. most iconic companies, wow. toy maker Hasbro, announcing they will be eliminating roughly 15% of their global workforce. Whoa. That's about 1,000 jobs worldwide. 12 News is told a small percentage of those jobs will be eliminated in Rhode Island. The CEO of Hasbro saying, quote, the elimination of these positions will impact many loyal Hasbro employees, and we do not undertake this process lightly. However, the changes are necessary to return our business to a competitive industry-leading position and to provide the foundation for future success. Wow. He's also saying that the president and COO of Hasbro will be leaving. He's been with the company for 18 years. Hasbro has been under stress in recent years. They say they their consumer products division did not perform as they'd hoped for during the recent holiday shopping season. They, of course, lost longtime CEO Brian Goldner, who died of cancer in recent years, leading to a leadership shakeup. And they've been under pressure from activist investors who argue that the Hasbro board and the executive leadership team have not been pursuing the right direction, all leading up to the announcement of these layoffs tonight. 12 News will continue to gather more information as it becomes available about the Hasbro layoffs. On WPRI.com, I'm Ted Nisi, 12 News. Now, I want to remind people that this week, Lego announced that they're moving from Connecticut to Massachusetts. I repeat. Why didn't, did Governor McKee know that? Did the Rhode Island team know that Lego was moving out? As I had stated, why not say, hey, let's have a full hub here, right? We have Hasbro, we have Lego, we're going to have all these qualified people and set up almost like a restaurant row. This is the creative hub of the Northeast. The McKee people didn't know Lego was leaving Connecticut. Massachusetts knew because they just landed them. Lego was a massive global company. So now Hasbro is now shedding one. Th- that, By the way, that's a start of 1,000 jobs. A good question is, are the McKee individuals, are they prepared for a possible downturn? I also want to mention someone that I've known and I'm fond of and I'm friendly with is Bernie Bonanno. And our families know each other. He knew my dad. His father knew my father. And his daughter, Bernie Bonanno's daughter, Helena Folks, as you know, CEO of CVS, and then ran a very successful campaign. 
to be governor. She beat Dan McKee on primary day, but the unions with their mail ballots and ballot harvesting stole the primary. Well, now for McKee, it's get even time. Bernie Bonanno has been the chairman of the convention center, and guess who was told to resign? That's exactly right. Dan McKee sent word through a union lackey he wants his resignation. It's payback. This is payback. Folks, this is the way they operate. Everything's a deal. No deal too small. The toe you step on today is connected to the behind you're going to have to kiss tomorrow, as it came out during the Plenodome trial. Boy, McKee always looking to even the score, isn't he? Doesn't it make sense more than ever that he and Porkboy are the best of pals, right? I mean, talk about two guys that are so think so highly of themselves they immediately think if they enter a room they're the smartest one in the room so now again i I, you know i don't know bernie bonanno said he was ready to retire from doing that anyway uh i know that you know they were under a lot of pressure with the uh, harwood situation with what went on with the convention center and and uh and so forth and getting rid of some bad apples so and he's taking the high road hey he's the governor it's up to him he gets to pick who's going to be part of the team and blah 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 but you know we're all waiting to see when does this mckee ran very hard he ran for a year and a half to be governor now you're governor then now what he's like has anyone seen oh that's right the big train station yeah the train station into central falls uh which is not in the best neighborhood uh not a lot of easy access to not safe parking i'm already hearing from people that don't feel comfortable going there at night leaving their car there boy that sounds like a good place to put a transportation hub Uh, it is absolutely the gang that can't shoot straight all right so again repeating though in in um i am disappointed i covered the trial i what was i going to do we were live on the air yesterday word came down that the jury had reached a verdict i i did think i sat there i thought the prosecutors thread the needle i thought they made the case uh he was off duty he had no jurisdiction where he was he was an unregistered truck he shot an unarmed teen essentially because he was upset because he thought he saw them speeding on the highway and not guilty i mean part of me I don't know what to make of that. I, um, wow, that is a tough one. And it's also, how can I say this? Um, let's see, three white teens who were 16, 17 at the time, now in 19 and 18, from the suburbs, not guilty. What would have been that trial? If they had shot an unarmed young, I mean, I think you can see where I'm going with this. I think we know the answer to it. Now, coming up, I will have the latest on the situation of the mother in Duxbury. Uh, There's no good news to report. I, I have some information as the show goes along a little bit later on the condition of the mother. That's a really interesting development. I know the vigil was last night. Set up a GoFundMe for the father and also for the family so it's still an unimaginable story it is national story uh, story obviously attention it's such an unusual 
disturbing story is what it is. It is. Um, and so a lot more. So that that story, again, um, I've been doing some videos on TikTok, and they've just rocketed, to put it mildly. It is a very difficult story, and it seems to affect everyone that hears it. It just sounds incomprehensible that it does, that a mother would do that, that anyone would do it, that anyone would do that to a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and then let alone you know, the, the, the mother of the children. Absolutely terrible. But Officer Dolan, not guilty. Again, I, I credit the factors I mentioned, right? He, he did take the stand. Very good criminal defense attorney, Michael Colucci. He did serve our country, veteran. Kids were a little cocky in the stand, and uh, they were speeding. I, again, doesn't sound like a recipe that you'd pull your weapon in, use it, but not guilty. All right. Much more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 with our legal expert attorney Tim Dutt Tim it's not every day that you see a headline that a uh, Rhode Island uh, counselor Rhode Island attorney is being disbarred uh i'm just i am curious what what if anything your reaction what you can tell us about it or just kind of what stands out in this particular case well these things happen from time to time um it's always unfortunate it it in when you read about these things and they do pop up from time to time it seems like it's individuals who either get involved with gambling or narcotics, an attorney yeah. who gets involved with gambling, uh, an attorney who gets involved in narcotics. And it seems that gambling is really the big thing. There's been a number of attorneys who have been disbarred because they start taking clients money. I, I know anecdotally there's been lawyers who do closings and they'll intercept the proceeds from the closing and instead of sending the all of the money to the bank to pay off a mortgage let's say when a house is being bought and sold they take the money because either they've got to square an account with whoever or they're chasing you know chasing a win against a series of losses and, you know, when you read about these things, people who start doing that, they start, well, I'm going to take the money 
and I'll put it back next week, you know, right. after I have a score at the casino and the score never comes. And then you start kiting the money. And before you know it, you, you just can't replace it. Um, then you start lying to clients and you start mm. doing all these things and it just snowballs and eventually it catches up. Um, and I think in this case, this uh, individual had a um, issue with gambling, I think was his particular problem. Other times it's, you know, other things. Um, many years ago, you know, a lawyer got jammed up because he started going to strip joints and spending all his money on the dancers. And, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And again, starts taking client money to um, fund what was going on at the clubs. There's any number of things that can get an attorney in trouble. Typically, it's a money issue. And most of the cases that I see, it's gambling that is the um, at the heart of it. Mm. Most um, I mean, I know that like in politics, a lot of people I've seen stuff written and they'd like to kind of romanticize a little bit of like, oh, the cool moose, Bob Healy, who I knew and I was friendly with. I knew Bob for almost 20 years. Oh, you know, he was so unique and so forth. But but at the same token. He, he was an attorney and one of his, you tell me, but I, I, if I remember one of his good friends came out and said that he had trusted him with his trust and, and meaning with, with, you know, finances. And, and there's definitely, even after his death, some unanswered questions about that. Well, yeah, Bob, we all thought, I mean, Bob was a very bright guy. Um, right. He was um, a character to say the least, but after he passed away and people start saying, where's my money? It became evident that there was an apparent miss about $450,000. Had he lived and had his clients um, complained, um, he would have had problems. He would have had problems, uh, criminal problems, potentially. He would have had problems with his license. He would have had problems with disciplinary counsel because he was moving money around for his own benefit. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, our next story, this is an interesting one out of Charahoe where they, they um, some of the, they, they want to replace on the school committee. This, if I understand this correctly, this, this could end up in, in front of the Rhode Island Supreme Court. It's a very unusual case, and yeah. it's it's sort of um, inside baseball with local rules in Richmond. Uh, this involves the Charahoe Regional School Committee, which is um, Charleston, Richmond, and Hopkinton. And one of the members of the school committee resigned to take a position in Washington or something. Now there's two schools of thought. There's some Richmond charter or Richmond rule that says if someone on the school committee dies or resigns, uh, the next highest vote getter from the school committee election would get the seat. Um, this, the town solicitor is of the opinion that it doesn't go to the second highest vote getter, 
but that um, the town can appoint who it wants to that seat. And there's two different factions. One is looking to appoint a conservative individual. Um, the second highest vote getter, to my recollection, was a more um, liberal-leaning individual. Right. And the stakes are high as to which individual gets the seat. And I believe the Supreme Court is going to be called upon to, to determine which set of rules controls. You've got the town solicitor saying, we don't have to appoint the second highest vote getter. You've got the attorney for the second highest vote getter saying the rules say that she gets the seat. Um, I don't know who's right. I mean, I'm not that familiar with all these local ordinances and home rule charters that might exist for uh, the town of Richmond. But it's definitely going to wind up in the Supreme Court and they're going to have to decide which set of rules controls here. Um, it, it's a very unique situation, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. It does seem odd, Tim, that they're trying to figure out, because it, it seems clear as to, to what the rules are, but um, it's just now a matter of, of which ones they're going to go after. I also, just two other quick stories. Alec Murtad, this is a big, high-profile trial, the uh, 21... 2021 killing of his wife and son as an attorney it's it's a it's a ghastly trial it's getting national attention it's still fluid right now at first blush i'm just curious to hear the thoughts of uh attorney tim dodd well it's it's when he was getting jammed up and had to leave his law firm and it was clear that he was uh, allegedly misappropriating funds from the firm and he might have always been a suspect, but the cops never had a sufficient amount of information to charge him with um, the murder of his wife and his son. Um, they now believe they have sufficient evidence to prosecute him. It, it sounds like this guy's world completely fell apart. Yeah. Um, you know, professionally, financially, and, you know, we thought a year ago that this poor guy came home to find his wife and son right. murdered. And now it appears that That's he's so at least being charged with wow. being the guy. Uh, I don't really know how this one will play out. I don't know if this guy takes the stand. I don't know if he has an alibi. I mean, I'm sure in his local community or in his state, this is getting more specific coverage. We are getting parts of the trial but I'm not fully familiar with what his defense really is. It seems like a tough case to prove. Right. Uh, And finally, Tim Dodd, again, we have some time on this, but this is uh, a little, I think it's interesting as far as a trial date has now been set April 3rd, a lawsuit by three Westfield uh, firefighters who alleged the fire department retaliated against them for cooperating with law enforcement. This could get ugly could get ugly and again it's the local rules and the law in uh, connecticut will dictate how this shakes out but if these guys are being retaliated against for cooperation it, it sounds like it's similar to let's say a whistleblower case where the guys who assist in bringing down the bad guys um if they are retaliated against, and this isn't really a whistleblower case, but I'm analogizing, um, 
those individuals typically do either A, get their jobs back, or B, get compensation for the losses that they're going to sustain going forward. So based on my knowledge of that case, I think these uh, firefighters um, are looking good in terms of winning their case and um, probably getting a pretty significant monetary award, John. Mm. Um, we're going to monitor things with the Dolan case. Folks, he's our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident... Go to AtMed Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. AtMed Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. listing to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining us right now, he's a columnist of the Boston Globe. It is uh, Dan McGowan. And Dan, you have a, a great piece. I've, like a lot of people, gotten to know him uh, over, over the past several years. And uh, Chief Clemens leaving Providence. This is... You know, it's actually the textbook case of, of, of how you want to leave when you have a high-profile position like that. He's, he's been there through some pretty tough times, but that is, that is a big loss for the Department of the City. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. We were, I was with him yesterday, followed him around a little bit, and went to his uh, – we were, we were in the, uh, heading into his office. And just outside of his office, there's a, um, you know, a plaque that shows every prov- the name of every Providence police chief. Uh, and you take a look at it and, you, you know, you start with the last one, Dean Esserman, you know, Pregano, like you go through lots of these people. And the truth is, very rarely does the police chief of a city like Providence, Providence in particular, actually get to leave, like you said, on their own terms. It's not always scandal. Uh, you know, it, it, sometimes it's, it's you, you know, you get a promotion, you go to the state police or, you, go, you know, things like that. But, you know, the, 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 the thing that, that, that Colonel Clements made clear to me yesterday was, you know, like, even as he started the journey kind of up the ladder in the Providence Police Department, he always wanted to be somebody who could walk into the building when he leaves, you know. And, and the truth is, there aren't a lot of those guys. Dean Esserman, can, can, you know, has, has virtually never been to uh, the union offices over there no. with Man Ave. Uh, rarely would you see him pop into the public safety office, uh, the public safety complex after he left. 
Um, Chief Clements is the rare person who, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I think will be celebrated every time he uh, he's anywhere in the city. I mean, you, you just you spend any time with him, even outside of, you know, let's say the police departments or the, the union hall. People love the guy. And, uh, and I, I think, I mean, to me, certainly he's the only chief that I've ever covered deeply. I covered the end of Esterman, as you know. Um, but he, I think he goes down as probably the most impactful and, and potentially the best police chief this city has ever had, which is yeah. saying a lot. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, now he's, he's moving on to Washington where he's, I think he's really excited. I mean, the, the, the reviews and sort of the, um, the review he got as he was being vetted, I mean, he got it from the highest places. Gina Raimondo was making phone calls, you know, David Cicilline making phone calls and they liked him. The DOJ liked him because he had the connection to the, you know, the leadership of the police department, the rank yep. and file and the community, right? He's one of the rare guys that kind of wins uh, support from almost all three of them. Yeah. Between the, um, well, the summer 2020, but then also, you know, it was also rare last last spring. And I told him that when he he marched and they got applause in in at Pride Fest in, yep. in June. That was something that, you know, that's a community that traditionally didn't they never really had a great relationship with police. So that was a different uh, definitely different with Chief Clements. Now, Dan McGowan, one thing that jumps out that you have know, the first one I'm seeing reporting this. How much has he walked away <laughs> with paid over three years? Yeah, yeah, this is a big one. I, I joked with him yesterday. I said you could buy yourself something very nice. He's getting two hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars over three years. And the thing about this is, is he is one of the last. Uh, in fact, I think the only other person that would be eligible for this at this point is uh, Major LePayton. Um, he, he, they're the, these guys are the last of sort of the, the old rules of Providence, which was that you could cash out all of your sick and vacation time, um, particularly when you were a, uh, a non-union employee. And remember, you know, once you move up the ranks major to chief, you're no longer a member of the union. And so a bunch of years ago, in fact, one of the first big story, not big, but one of the first stories I covered as a journalist here was sort of these generous payouts that were being huh. given to people. Uh, the city council reformed that. It was, it was uh, John Igliozzi at the time, and to some degree, Mayor Taveras really pushed this. But uh, Hugh Clements is, is, the, is probably the largest beneficiary of uh, kind of that old rule, which is, yeah, you cash out your sick vacation. They spread it out over three years, so you can't get it all at once. But uh, that is a lot of money that he is taking with him, uh, too. He's going to be very comfortable as he heads to Washington. Dan McGowan, what's the process now of who's going to replace him? I mean, I, the latest I heard is they're going to take three candidates. He's involved in the process. He is, um, he is involved in the process, and he's being yeah. a, a little bit cagey as understandably with me about, you know, how it exactly is going to work from reporting that I've done from what I can tell, it sounds like the three, I'm going to say front runners right now are the number two currently Oscar Perez, yeah. uh, who's only relatively newly, uh, um, you know, promoted to that number two position. Yeah. Uh, I think David LePayton, I think major LePayton uh, is in the running. And I think Kevin Lanny, 
uh, another major in the department. Yes. Uh, I think those are your three. Yep. Uh, one, one thing that I do know that, that Colonel Clements um, is, I think, uh, I, I would say aggressively uh, pushing for, uh, to Mayor Smiley is you got to pick from within. Uh, yep. You know, the, he, I think they think that they've built up a department that, it, that is qualified, that has qualified people to do that job. Um, and, you know, I think he, what he said is, look, there, there's always the chance that you can go outside with somebody who's, who knows the department. Remember, you know, one of the, the, the legacies of Chief Clements that people sometimes will, will probably overlook is the number of people who have gone on to be police chiefs elsewhere. Uh, you know, Tommy Oates in Woonsocket, uh, yeah. Michael Correa, uh, certainly Dean Isabella, you know, there's yeah. lots of you know, who will not be, uh, who will not be the next police. I think chief. Isabella missed the memo they would hire from within. I think he's got a challenge, but wow. all that being said, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who potentially could come right in and do that job, but I know, uh, I know Chief Clements is, is, is advocating for an internal hire. I mean, one thing about Lapine, who I know and I'm friendly with and I deal with all the time, but I mean, he's the number three and, you know, Oscar Perez just got the number two slot. Yeah. So kind of passed over him. Um, I think it's some variation of of Lanny, who, you know, is very tight with the chief, and, yes. and Oscar Perez. So I think it's going to be some combination of one, two there. I'm not well, sure it's who interesting. the one's going to be and who the two. It's interesting. There's been, you know, the, uh, Brett Smiley has been, uh, you know, has said he wants to do this kind of somewhat, somewhat public process for the search. Um, and, and I think to their, to their credit, go local editorialized recently and said, you know, it's kind of a farce, uh, to some degree, that's true, right? They kind of know roughly what they want, but from what I've been told, one of the things that Mayor Smiley does actually want to see in this search process is he wants to see how the the finalists, whenever they're named, actually do engage in, in conversation when they have a public hearing, because, that that's important, right? The, the the truth is, the three guys that that you and I kind of are zoning in on Perez, Payton, and Lanny, um, they're they're all you know they all have some level of public facing jobs, but it's possible that they haven't quite had the you know the real kind of the scope on them, um, you know when when the when the community's coming in and asking the hard questions that are uncomfortable yeah. for for police departments, and so. It'll be interesting to see how each of them handles it. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think there's a there's a dilemma here by moving Perez into the number two spot, which Alorza did, by the way. That's that a, not a smiley move. That that's ex- did that. that's exactly right, and it puts the mayor in a tough spot because I think for a long time you've been around a long time, you know this too. I think everybody has seen Perez as a future police chief at some point. Yeah. I'm not sure right. that anybody thought he was going to be the next police chief, but mm-hmm. by being the number two, you know, big question that comes Friday, right? Last chief Clements last day is Friday. What mm-hmm. happens to who, who's the interim chief yeah. in that moment? Because chief Clements says, look, you can't not have a top guy. There has to be somebody mm-hmm. making a decision. So keep an eye on that for Friday. Folks, quick break, much more hit Dan McGowan of Boston globe right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either 
eat in the lounge area. There's normally a game on and a nice group of people there. Or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather. They have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. You know, there's a, a story uh, that's out there about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And it's, it's really amazing how much he just, you know, there is an example of someone who just calls them like he sees them. And, you know, if, if anything... Um, just just absolutely you know identifies what in fact a problem is so um he he has come out the governor of florida and said he is targeting union school boards proposed banning teachers unions from automatically deducting dues from paychecks imposing stricter term limits on school board members and allow school board candidates to reveal their political parties. You know, that just in, in what he is saying, that is, there is someone identifying what the problem is. You know, here we have a governor, as we've talked about, that it, it, they don't want to identify what's the problem. For instance, in, in, in the Providence schools, a, a huge part of the problem that no one wants to talk about it's like they won't list the word, but a huge part of the problem is, in fact, it's it's the teachers union, right? It's not an accident that in the charter schools, they can get rid of a bad teacher. In the charter schools, the principal is actually in charge. In the charter schools, they can work longer hours. The charter schools, they seem to be more of a dedication and a focus on learning. And you don't have that. You simply just don't have that because of the teachers unions. But they skirt around it. And none of the Rhode Island leaders seemingly truly have the guts to take them on. So no one wants to, in fact, really address what what the problem is right they may they may talk about and try to go around it but no one will come right out and say you know these people are the problem that's the problem with the public schools it, they act like it's all just a a big mystery like gee this is so odd that how come we can't fix our school system and and the, the worst is the example in providence where it it's, it's as if they're all, it's the emperor has no clothes. No one will come out and address what is the real problem with why they can't improve the schools. And then you have someone like the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, that comes right out and talks about what it is. So, um, and it is that it's the unions have too much control period end of story it's just he he is not afraid to address it and i think this is really going to come into play in the you know you around here you don't hear anyone 
speak out about the power of the teachers unions, how they're the problem, and how they are, in fact, blocking any progress with education at the Rhode Island State House or wherever it is. So now someone who's starting to talk about it a little bit, who is, in fact, aside from Governor DeSantis, who's talked about it, is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So CBS had a story this morning where he is right now looking at a possible run in 2024. I think that'd be a good thing. And I want to just um, play a little bit of this piece. Mike Pompeo and yeah, great to be back. he's got a new book in out. I, I'm, I'm in a fantastic mood. It's wonderful to be here. I'm glad, I'm glad to talk to you, but I want to start with this because it's been such a heavy day. And it seems like we have more and more of these stories every single day. I'm, it breaks my heart. It makes me ill. We're, we're talking, of course, about the mass shootings. There have been Teacher 38 unions? mass shootings across the country so far. In 2023, Mr. Secretary, that's more than the days yeah. of the, that we've had at the beginning of the year. What do you think needs to be done? And I know it's not an easy answer, yeah. but it's just something that you can tell us before we move on to your book. So I, I grappled with this when I was a member of Congress. These are tough problems. There's no easy answer. I, I think we're going to find that, you know, some of these were in California, some of the toughest gun laws in the exactly. country. My guns were probably possessed illegally, although I think we don't know all the facts yet. Uh, I think some of this is cultural. That is, we need to make sure that the family is, families are intact, that there are good mental health services available for people that are struggling. Uh, there's, I wish there was a simple answer. You know, I watch not only these mass shootings, but I watch uh, in the inner cities of America being a tough place where there's kids getting killed every night. Uh, um, we, need, we, need to, we need to be an America that understands that every life matters, and we need to make sure that we have support for our law enforcement so they can do their work well and support for people who are challenged so that we don't end up with precisely what we've seen exactly. just these last couple and days. We say all the time, nobody wants to take uh, guns from responsible gun owners. And the yeah. Second Amendment back then, they were talking about muskets. Yeah. The hardware that we see on the streets, we've got to figure out a way to do something, but we're not going to solve that here at this particular time. Let's talk about your book, because some people view this book as an opening argument for your uh, declaration of presidency, of the presidency. What do you say to that? You, no, that, you said you're considering yeah. it. How close are you to making it? So as for that, uh, Susan and I are thinking, praying, trying to figure out if this is the next place to go serve. He's running. We haven't come to that conclusion. We'll do but so. But how close are you? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out in the next handful of months. Uh, but that's not why I wrote this book. He's uh, running. The book was actually supposed to be out in August, but the author was tardy in getting the manuscript completed. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to tell the story from my perspective for four years of the Trump administration and our effort to put the American people at the front of American foreign policy, how it matters to every American. You know, when you talk about Taiwan or this Moscow, it seems like a long ways away. But I wanted to share with the American people that it matters to every American that we CIA. get this right. And uh, America's place in the world matters, West and we Point, should defend it first in class. Well, President Trump has already announced that he's going to run again. Former Secretary of State. Is that having any, any no. impact on your decision? None. None. You don't feel no. uh, disloyal taking no. him on if you decide to run against him? Oh, oh, goodness, no. When you run for president, you're making the case to the American people. So all the folks who decide to run on both sides of the aisle uh, will be presenting themselves, their ideas. They'll make arguments. I hope they'll speak in language that is fundamentally decent and speaks to the higher higher calling of America and is an optimistic message. So no, it won't matter to the Pompeos who else decides to run. Uh, we'll, we'll make that decision based on whether we think this is our moment. Well, Nikki Haley also says she's thinking about running and she comes up in your book a couple of times. And in the book, you say that she she had reached out to, she had strongly hinted that maybe uh, she had 
tried to replace Mike Pence as vice president. She denies that. She says that it's a claim, and I want to quote her, she calls lies and gossips that you wrote in your book that you were trying to sell. That when you wrote that she, that you were told that she was trying to replace Mike Pence as vice president. She says that's just you, liar, liar, pants on fire, that that never happened. Chief Chief Kelly told me it was true. I think Kellyanne Conway has confirmed that she thought it was true. But I didn't write about it for that reason. Why did you write it? I wrote that that storyline because in the Trump administration, it, it was tough. Uh, the, the media was after us. They were trying to create a gap True. between you and the president every day. They were coming at all of us pretty hard. Yep. And so everyone was saying, get out, quit, run. Uh, Ambassador Haley didn't decide to stay. She decided to leave. When times were tough huh. and there were incredibly wow. dangerous places that America found itself, um, so many people on the team didn't stay. How about stay. that? And, you know, she for me, decided every, day, to run. every day was a privilege to serve. I was the Secretary of State for a thousand days. Wow. I wasn't about to give up one single second of huh. it to focus on anything but doing Good my duty to the country. But it did seem to be a lot of uh, fluid with the truth in the Trump administration. Would you agree with that? Um, just I, I think get back to the book to here, Gail King. Uh, you might even find a time where you'd say, oh, Mike, I'm not sure you quite... We're clear. I, I try my best every day, and I did this as Secretary of State too. I tried my best every day to well, a CI director, so we had to keep secrets. Yeah. But apart from that, uh, apart from that, I tried my best every day never to say anything that I did not know to be true. And if I couldn't speak about it, I just said, "I'm sorry, I can't yeah, talk." about that. We understand the secrets. It's it's uh, outright lies that I think many people have problems. No, with. no leader should ever do that. Uh, uh, no leader in church in a faith institution. No leader at the PTA meeting or school board, and no leader in Washington D.C. In your book, you write very little about January 6th, but you did surprise me with this when you said that January 6th, you described it as... The guy wants to uh, debate. Calling it the day that the left wanted to exploit... Randy Weingarten. He wants to take on the head of the teachers' union. Ask him about that. If they committed crimes, they should be convicted. I've said this for two and a half years now, however long it's been. Um, if you committed crimes, if you broke into the Capitol and committed violence, you should be prosecuted. I but, get that, but, but in the book, Mr. Secretary, yeah. you described it as a day that it was just exploited for yeah. Democrats. It, it, True. It has been exploited. It's absolutely been exploited by the left. Yes. I, I believe that firmly. I agree um, with we, that. We've had, we've had bad I like days Pompeo. in America before. That night ended in glory. That night ended in the United States of America completing its constitutional it process and confirming Still President Biden as the duly elected president of the United States. Uh, we should we should be proud of that, and we and we shouldn't use we, we shouldn't use violence in a political way. Whether that violence happens in the streets of Seattle or Minneapolis, wow. the violence happened because the people that day that uh, took over the what Capitol about Atlanta? That the election had been stolen. Yes, and many people believe that they were urged to go to the Capitol to protest the way they did because of Donald Trump. Do you believe the election was stolen? No, I don't believe the election was stolen, Gail. But I do think we have an enormous confidence. Give him credit for going on this people. show. Secretary Clinton continues to talk about her election. That's right. As having not, we have we have two now two consecutive elections. And by the way, in 2000 we had the hanging chads. You're, you'll remember That's that. That's right. We got to fix this. We've got to run election processes that are transparent so that people can have confidence. But in Donald Gail. Trump is still saying that. Have you told him maybe Look you should this. stop saying that? So he tries to do an interview. He knows exactly what I think about the election. The entire interview. Right. Where I think we got it right and where it's we not got about it his book. I've, I've never talked about the election being stolen. Can I talk to you about classified documents? Because now oh we have a sitting God. president and a former president. Hey, he agreed yes. to the interview. 
have you looked in your own house? Do you have, are you worried about maybe they'll find classified documents at your place, in your gym, in your garage? And what do you think about this? <laughs> well, I don't have a Corvette in there. Uh, and so <laughs> Good line. Uh, I, I, I don't think they will. But I'd say three things about this. And I write about this and never give an inch. I actually write about this. The book preceded uh, these issues, both at Mar-a-Lago and uh, in the, president, or the president's home. Uh, if you have classified documents, handle them correctly. And if you find that you have them in the wrong place, Take responsibility, take accountability, and turn them back in. Thank you. That's Mike Pompeo. Uh, listen, I think he'll be good for the race. I don't know. Maybe as a VP, maybe as a president. I don't know. We'll have to hear. Folks, remember, you. we never know, to me, and I tell people this, until you see them up on the stage, you never know. It's Tuesday. You're listening to The John DePietro 